Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. We've had two games since we last spoke. Huddersfield Town have lost to Swansea and beaten Blackburn, thankfully. Uh, we'll start with the Swansea game, and I think we kind of just need to get this one out of the way, really, don't we? Because it was a, a poor performance. Very, very... The first half, I thought, very reminiscent of the first half against Forest. Almost identical, in fact. A little bit better in the second half, but still only just sort of rise into the level of passable uh, rather than good. Um, what was your take on the game? Oh, I, th- I thought I thought they were bad, to be honest with you. I thought they set up wrong. I thought they, I mean, not even have a shot on target really yeah. tells you their whole story. It was all very sideways. It was all very unimaginative. Um, I think they only attempted three crosses first half and didn't hit a target with any of them. Um, yeah, it was just it was just a very sort of deeply uninspiring performance, really. And I think they got a little bit lucky in that. Swansea aren't brilliant this year by any stretch. I think that's one of those performances that you put in against a, an actually good side and you know, mm. potentially it's an awful lot worse than 1-0. We saw last night that Coventry, the wheels came off against Luton big time and it can happen in this division when you have an off day like that. So I, I feel slightly like they got away with one, if I'm honest. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think... I think Swansea looked a bit nervous, a bit tentative. They didn't. They didn't offer a huge amount themselves. I mean, that said, they could have been sort of two, three nil up at the break. I thought they had other good chances. Joel Pirro got one where he, you know he got it in similar kind of similar kind of situation to the one Vallejo scored against Blackburn, which I know is a, a more difficult chance than you think. But he, you know, he had the space to pick a corner, and if he had picked a corner, it would have been in. Instead, he, instead he put it pretty central. Took a bit of a deflection, and Lee Nichols ended up making. A good save, to be fair, but if he'd found either bottom corner, then uh, then then it would have been two 0 And you know they other they had other chances as well. Swansea second half, they did make changes. You know Josh Caroma came on, Dwayne Holmes came on, and you know I thought they looked better. I agree with you. I thought I thought. I thought it was the wrong shape. Carlos Corbrand disagreed. Um, he said after the game that you know he 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 felt the the tactics were right, but the execution was bad essentially, uh, and that was why he kept the same personnel in the same shape for fifteen minutes after the break. Uh, before he he made that double, well, it wasn't a double substitution, but it was within sort of three minutes of each other, and. They did look better, but I, I just thought it was strange that after you play Nottingham Forest, who also who matched Town up, and to be fair with Forest, we didn't know how they were going to play because they had you know they'd sacked Chris Hute and they had a new manager. And on the day they chose to match Town up and played three four three and exposed uh, a lot of sort of Town's shortcomings. So to then go to Swansea, where you're also playing a team that play you you knew they were going to play three four three and stick with that formation. Despite the fact you just lost and put in a poor performance, playing that system against a team playing the same system seemed peculiar to me. Yeah, and I like every. The, the, I said it to you um, via text, and I said it to Matt from the other podcast parish as well that I think we looked at it and we thought they've set up like an analyst's dream here because you know everything this town team are going to do when you, you have this formation set out like this, and if you match them up, they do struggle to they do struggle to be honest with you to create any sort of space um that's been the historic Huddersfield Town problem really so yeah we were both a bit surprised about it and I mean I 
Like with a three-four-three, you're always going to sort of cede a bit of space on the wings. Um, and I think what Swansea did was they didn't even really look to that area. They just thought we're just going to match you up player for player, and we sort of we trust we'll get the decisive opening really. And that's exactly what happened. And it, I mean, it wasn't a great goal to concede either, straight through the middle. Little, it was a good assist to be fair, and it was a nice finish. But mm. it, I just, I just felt like that whole Huddersfield Town team was they were in the wrong shape and I think tactically they hadn't set up right for the game but I also felt collectively they just weren't at it they just everybody was sort of just slightly below par really and when you have that as a collective it's it's very very tough for anyone to sort of you know get the game by the scruff of the neck and and get it going but you know it it happens it will happen again this season to town I'm sure but the the thing you have to do is react isn't it it is yeah and to be fair to to Corbrand you know we concentrated on him a lot well I concentrated on him a lot in the conclusions but I that was more to be honest that was more based on him coming out after the game and saying he felt it was the right approach and we asked him like well you know you've had two bad results you've not scored you've not created chances is it time to try someone new and he said well I don't I think it would be change for change's sake and I was like I'm not sure I'm not sure I totally agree with that but then you get into the Blackburn game and to be fair he's been vindicated with that um yes and no I I would argue that but we'll get into that well one against Swansea that I think a lot of people picked up on was the decision to leave out uh, Josh Groma from the starting lineup, which actually I didn't have a huge issue with because I thought he had been tactically quite poor in the previous two games you know he'd we pointed out after the after the Forest game that against Blackball he was trying stuff and had to you know that wasn't working and had to be told at half time try something different and then at Forest, he tried to do what he was doing against what he had started to do against Blackpool, but that was the wrong thing to do against Forest. And like, I think that that tactically, sometimes he needs a bit more uh, coaching than other players, which is understandable. You know, he's for all we we really like Josh Groma, and I think he's had a lot of good games this season. He's a massively important player for Town. You forget he has only played how many games at this level, sort of thirty ish. Something, something in that region. Having having played a lot at non-league, and he's only twenty-two. So, you know, I'm not getting on at Josh Cromer, and and I think you know there's other players as well who have struggled. Well, to be honest, the whole team have struggled to find solutions to to new problems. Um, so I didn't actually have a major problem with him leaving out Coroma, but I think it's I think there has been a bit of a pattern sometimes with Town where they will make changes to try and uh, counter the opposition, but don't seem to consider what the opposition are going to do to counter them. And and are very slow to react to to sort of those bit of you know managerial analytical instructions to deal with what town do well. Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of that. But what you have to caveat all of that with is Josh Caroma has taken I think still over. Well, I don't know after the Blackburn game because I've not checked yet. But coming into the Swansea game, he had taken over double the amount of shots of his next nearest rival which was Matty Pearson Um, not only that he had by far the most shots on target as well I think it was double again and I think he had as many shots on target as as Ward, Campbell and Rhodes put together Um, so to leave him out I think was a big shout and then to play the game and not actually have a shot on target uh, like you can't you can't look at that and not think okay that (laughs) town missed a huge a huge threat there they didn't have that attacking outlet and I I think you're right about they can be a bit slow to react but I think that's 
I think that's Carlos Corbran. I, d- I don't think he's I don't think he's Marcelo Bielsa, so I don't think plan B is to do plan A better because I think we've already seen that we all still keep believing that a 4-3-3 is his favoured formation and yet he's played a 3-5-2, mm-hmm. a 3-4-3. Last season we even had a 4-2-3-1 in a few games. So he's far more adaptable than that. But I I do think they sort of I think maybe it's they see the game in phases and it's sort of okay well this is this is the first half an hour this is what we're going to do this is the second half an hour this is what we're going to do and when it comes off like against Sheffield United it looks looks really really good but yeah. when it doesn't come off and you don't like you said you don't react quick enough and you don't sort of move things quick and what have you and then it costs you yeah it's sort of like it's a little bit of an obvious shortcoming really but he's been far better at that this season than he was last season I would argue Steve because there were a few games mm-hmm. me and you tore our hair out last year where it was like so clear that you just had to change something or react to something because yeah. there was a you know a player running wide, running wild in a certain position or something like that so I think I've seen a lot more of it this season but yeah I think there's still a still a little way to go there maybe yeah I, I think doing plan A better is kind of what Carlos was getting at and I think I think what he was trying to say without saying it was look the players were just rubbish <laughs> against Swansea you know and neither of us disagree with that no, either do and, we and that is fair enough to be honest um and as I say, you know, they get into the Blackburn game and I mean, we'll talk about this a lot longer because let's be honest, it's more fun to talk about this mm-hmm. game. It was uh, a, a sensational game of football, really, really enjoyable to watch. Uh, and, you know, town coming out on the right side of it only makes it even better, really. But from minute one, it was apparent that town looked better in attack. You know, we, we, I messaged you five minutes in saying we've had we've had more crosses on the pitch in front of us from town um in the first three minutes here than we've had in the rest of the season combined which is obviously you know nonsense it was hyperbole dave i don't know if you've heard of it uh but uh yeah i mean straight from the off they were looking to get the ball forward straight away they were looking to get into the box the first i saw someone tweet the other day tim stillman the arsenal writer saying he always looks for the first attack that uh, that each team does in, in a game because it sort of tells you what each team is going to do uh, over the game as a whole. And I think that was true of this game because Blackburn, from the kickoff, hit the ball straight towards Naby Sar's corner and made him defend a header, and they did that all game. And Town, when they got the ball straight after that, uh, immediately got the ball to Alex Vallejo, who looked up facing goal and played a ball over the top looking for Danny Ward. Um, and that sort of told you that both teams were, were going for it. They were going on the attack. And and Vallejo in the middle, we'll start with him, I think, because he got the opener as well. He was in for Jonathan Hogg, who had a, an abdominal injury, which we're told is, is not too serious. And Sarr, it's worth mentioning as well, was in for Levi Colwell, uh, who has, again, an ankle injury, which we're told is, is not too serious, but neither player was risked. Um Vallejo made a big difference for town. Yeah, he did. He um, everybody knows my feelings about him. Um, Funny feelings. <laughs> town clipped my uh, soundbite out on the final whistle show as well, uh, which brought a few Twitter comments. I I do genuinely believe he's the most talented player at the club on the ball, um, but he he's just not an athlete. You know, he can't get around like Lewis O'Brien. He can't he can't do what Jonathan Hogg does. You know, tackling wise, etc. Yeah, he's he's not and, as great 
defensively, is he? He's, no, he no, he's turned. not. He's not. Where you want Alex Vallejo is at the side of somebody who is passing the ball to him because he can pass it better than them, <laughs> and he's got a better range of vision. And you know, he it's not like he was sort of putting it on a sixpence from 45 yards away but I think the difference with Vallejo is his first instinct is is to look forward and Hoggy is brilliant at what he does and he is an absolutely massive part of this squad and this team but there are some games particularly like when you play against the 4-2-3-1 there is always going to be a little bit of a gap in the middle because you've got a 10 that's getting up close to the striker and then you've got two sort of players that tend to sit a little bit deeper and quarterback it a bit which is what Blackburn were doing for the majority like you say they were targeting Sars corner but they were also going down the other side as well trying to get Brereton in with the long ball over the top so Vallejo had that sort of few yards of space to to drop into and pick the ball up and just consistently play it to play it to play it forward you know and he's basically he's a platform player you know he's the platform that other players use to be better and Mm. there are games this season I think where Alex Vallejo may be the better option if I'm brutally honest with you because there's nobody else in that squad who does what Alex Vallejo does when he's on the ball he's not he's not an Aaron Moy we're not saying he's like you know a Carol Lighting Aaron Moy replacement or anything like that but what he can do is pass the ball consistently well mm. and that game was was I wouldn't it, it was tailor made for him really it was tailor made for him and um it was it was also no surprise to me when he popped up with a goal because there'd already been a couple of times where he'd I I wouldn't call it the sort of 10 space. It was sort of just behind that, but where he was just sort of jogging into that, he'd realised there was a little pocket of space there. And it was the first time that basically somebody had got their head up and actually looked up and picked him out. And it was it was a great finish. I just hope that injury <laughs> isn't too bad. After the game in the press conference, Carlos Coran obviously said it needs to be assessed, etc. I guess we'll find out Friday how he is um but yeah i just you can't play alex vallejo for 46 champions game the champion uh, championship games but you can't play jonathan hogg for 46 championship games either so i think i think if nothing else winning without Jonathan Hogg in the team because that was the first time they'd ever done that under Carlos Corbran I hope it sort of proved something that you can particularly over Christmas and January when the games are just relentless that you can potentially rest Hoggy and still have somebody in there who who does a different role but still just as a an effective one yeah I think as you said in the conclusions it was um you know it was notable that because it's the first time that they've won under Corbran without Jonathan Hogg and I think that sort of psychologically sort of lifts a barrier it's also the first time they've won with Lewis O'Brien as captain which is is nice uh as to the best well it must be um so uh yeah that that was that was nice for him but yeah I, I agree with you I think we've been you've been sort of banging the Vallejo drum for for quite some time now and I think that has always been the issue is well that he's not going to drop Jonathan Hogg and again we we're both big fans of Hoggy. You and I both sat here and you know advocated strongly for him to be Player of the Year last year, uh, and obviously you know he, he won that vote and rightly so. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's there's times where Vallejo is the more appropriate option, and I think you know you need to be open to to that rotation option. I think 
that goes both ways as well. Again, we mentioned that we mentioned the Corona against Swansea, and although we disagree on that, I think the fans maybe need to sort of get their heads around the idea that there might be a bit of rotation in the squad this year, and it's not always necessarily going to be what they think is the strongest eleven because it is a, a long season. You know, it is a forty-six mm. game season, and they do have that deeper squad now. They've got a, the other thing is that, like it or not, I. Uh, They've also got a manager who the evidence of last season suggests that he targets certain games as well. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was one or two slightly weird lineups before the end of the season. I always get the sense that he, yeah, he plans sort of two or three games ahead and picks his sides accordingly. He talked about um, when we came back from the last international break and Saar played instead of Colwell, that they'd periodised Saar to, to get him into the team, knowing that Colwell was going to be away which um you know and when, when we've said when we've asked him why have other players not not got a chance yet he has said well we just we feel like they're not because the, he's been playing the sort of the same sort of 14 15 players consistently mm-hmm. uh, and he said well the others just aren't at that level yet and there's no point putting them in if we don't think they're at that level and you know he obviously we don't know what's going on in the training ground you know for all we know you know everyone beyond you know the other seven players are, are you know just miles off um so yeah it's it's one of those things it's, I, also, you mentioned that the Jan- the December January run there. Weirdly, it's actually not that bad a year this year because um, the the New Year's Day falls on a Saturday anyway. Um, so we've only actually got one midweek game throughout all of December, um, and the FA Cup game will be on a week after a full week after the the last league game, which is which is nice. Has fallen nicely, but yeah, I take your point. We've got several three game weeks coming up because of the international breaks in in October mm. and November, um, and you, you do need to be willing to take those players I thought Naby Sarr unfortunately Blackburn did target him but you could see why because you know the I thought he he had he had his moments in this game. Um, he had the penalty, obviously, for the second Blackburn goal. Not not to skip too far ahead, but there were a couple of other moments before that where he just didn't look quite as assured as as you would like him to. Yeah, he's he's a funny player, isn't he? Like he, I think this season he looked really really good in the middle of a three yeah. for a spell. Um, and I think he probably played his best football in a town shirt in that little two-game, yeah. three-game spell. I think he finished last season quite strong because he was settled next to Richard Keogh and they had a bit of a partnership. But he still has these moments where... Oh, Nabby. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's those moments where it's just like, oh, did you have to do that? And I think it is worth talking about the penalty rather than coming back to it now, if I'm honest. And I just... I've seen a few people saying that wasn't a penalty, but it's possible to be a penalty and it be a dive. I'm not disputing that he makes a massive meal of it, but you can't challenge like that in no, the penalty area. And if the if if the lad doesn't go up and over, if you're saying you've got to make contact so he's got to plant his foot on the floor, I mean, he could have broke his ankle <laughs> lunging in like that. And I think you've got to... You, you can't referee on consequence all the time. You've got a referee on it intent, and that was well. It was I mean, it was out of control, wasn't yeah. it, Steve? That's the thing. Yeah, totally. I I thought it was a penalty. It looked nailed on to me. There's there's some angles where it looks like there's contact, others where it looks like maybe he doesn't quite catch him. But I agree with you. Like you shouldn't. 
you know, if a, the, I mean, the rules don't specify any contact. You know, if if a strike has to evade a tackle to avoid getting hurt, which is what you know Brereton Diaz basically had to do. And yeah, he makes a meal of it. Protect, you know, if he if he wasn't touched, and again, I'm I'm still not convinced that he that he wasn't. I think he might have been. He, he definitely made a meal of it. But you shouldn't have. The thing is, it's it's a cultural thing in the game, isn't it? Like referees only give those decisions if if the striker makes a meal of it, unfortunately, or the, the forward makes a meal of it. And yeah, I, I thought it was a penalty all day. And even if even if you disagree that it was a penalty and you disagree with everything we say about contact and all of that, I don't think anyone can disagree that was a ridiculous challenge to make. Like to to make yeah. to give the referee that that decision to make, um, I think was was silly and not not for the first time we saw. It's a shame because like there were, you know, particularly late on the last sort of five minutes or so, there were lots of moments of the game where Saar did perfectly well and was an important defender for them. But we just know that he's, you know, he's got those silly moments in him. I think the positive is, obviously, you know, he's he's not the, the first choice. He was only playing because Colwell was injured. And, um, you know, I think Colwell comes back in and, and again looks a lot calmer. I... I thought he looked good again against Swansea. I think he maybe disagreed with that, but um, I thought he was town's best defender against Swansea for me. Well, him and Lees. Uh, Tom Lees had another good game as well against Blackburn, to be fair. Um, we'll get on to, to Danny Ward and Silver Thomas in a bit, but yeah, Tom Lees has been consistently very good at the back for Disfield Town. Yeah, he has. I wrote about it this morning um, in a piece that's up on the Examiner website, or Yorkshire Live, as we should call it. Um, he's just... Just the thing is, when you look at his stats, there's nothing remarkable about them, and you realise from watching him that's because you know he doesn't need to go lunging into challenges. He's got Matty Pearson to to do the sort of grunt work, basically one side. He spends a lot of his time just drifting out to the left because he's either got Nabi Saar, who I don't think he trusts quite as much. It would be fair to say. Or he's got Levi Colwell, who's that, you know, he's still very, very young, very early in his career. Um, but it's just the the speed of thought. It's the knowing where to position yourself. You know, he's not he's not like a clean shorts defender. He's not a Barese, you know, where he's coming off and he's disappointed if he's got mud on his knees. But he's only made three fouls in seven games because he just rarely gets caught out of position. And like, he, I think he's gone a little bit under the radar because, as I said, he doesn't he doesn't do the sort of last ditch clearances. He's not lunging onto the line to stop mm. shots going in or you know he's not the one thundering out to the wing and putting a winger into Rosette because he doesn't need to he just consistently does his job and it was interesting because when I actually wrote the piece yesterday and I thought I'm going to have a dig into his stats and I thought about why there was nothing particularly remarkable and I, I asked you later on in the day can you just grab me his player ratings and he's he's got the highest average of anyone in the town team bearing in mind Sorba Thomas has had a perfect 10 but then what I thought was really, really interesting is that he's also third in the fans' ratings because yeah. obviously you never know what the sort of uh, confirmation bias of your own mind is really. Yeah. So it was really, really interesting to see him third. And, and by a hair's breadth, I think it's Lee Nichols and Sorba Thomas with 6.54 and he's just behind with 6.34. So again, he's not a player you ever give a 10 to because... He, he doesn't stand out. He just consistently defends really, really well. And I 
I would argue he's found a level of consistency that only in sort of recent history, only Christopher Schindler achieved, I'd say. Um, you know, if you look at some of the cast that has come into that defence, the likes of sort of Zanka and Richard Keogh and various others, um, I think he's, he's Lee's his sort of head and shoulders above him. Long may it continue. He's 30, he's played a hell of a lot of football. Just uh, just had his 500th game, I think, at age 30, yeah. which is remarkable. Yeah. So, again, I'm not sure you can he can play 46 games of championship football without a break, but Town have the options now, that's that's the good thing. And when he arrived, me and you both felt he was probably going to be fourth choice. And I did say I think he's probably going to be the best fourth choice option in the league. But, I, I mean, I would argue you can't not start with him at yeah. the moment. Even if you reverted to a two, I think you have to go with it's him potentially Colwell and Lees. Yeah, you know, he's, he's been He's been that good. He, he certainly now feels like one of those sort of two or three first names on, on Corcoran's team sheet, which is remarkable, really. It's remarkable. For a player who only came in because Matty Pearson fell ill in a warm-up, and he was on the right-hand side, and he, he, he did okay. He wasn't super comfortable, but he then switched to the middle for the next game. And, yeah, I think I just I just think he's a really sort of super professional, consistent central defender. And it's just one less position to worry about, isn't it? Yeah. You can just, it's all right, because Tom Lees will be fine there. Are you saying he's better than Richard Keogh? I'm going to stick my neck <laughs> on the line, and I'm going to say, yes, he was better than Richard Keogh on several levels. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's as well that that deal they were planning for him fell through, if it if that's what allowed them to go and get Tom Lees, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's... he's there's a I few mean, free play- transfer as well, Steve. Yeah, free transfer, yeah. like... you got to... I know, I know, uh, like I know, people like it when you sort of criticise and analytical, but sometimes you got to go. Do you know what, lads? Absolutely fair enough, because signing him on a free now looks like a complete no-brainer, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, great deal. Yeah, and at the other end of the pitch, Danny Ward had his absolutely his best game since since coming back to Huddersfield Town. He was brilliant, and I thought uh, if he'd played sort of the whole game like he had. Like he did in the second half, I would have I would have had him on a nine. I know it's G called me out for that on the conclusion, mm. giving Silver Thomas a nine and not not Danny Ward. Uh, I really wasn't far off. If we did half marks, he, he would have been definitely eight and a half. But like it wasn't just even without the goals, I would have been considering him for sort of a seven or an eight because his his hold up play was just superb. I mean, I really can't speak highly enough of, for his winner in particular. He has so much work to do to hold on to the ball. Uh, in in the build up to 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 his to the third goal, manages to keep it, plays it off, and then gets into the box uh, to to finish it off. Off you know, it was Ollie Turton's cross, wasn't it? And then Toffolo puts it back across the box. But the second goal as well, you know, he's you know he's in the right place. He was getting into those positions all game. He was doing which game was it where he he had a similarly good game where he was coming to the halfway line, doing those layoffs, and then then straight into the opposition box, and he looked. It was uh, Reading. Reading it was. Yeah. And he looked incredibly, especially after the goal, but even before then, he he was... his body language was much better than it was against Forrest. He was standing very... It's We, we don't like to talk about body language, really, because I think it is overplayed. You know, we, we've both, Dave, watched some of the grumpiest, sulkiest footballers in the world who will then suddenly turn it on and, and do something amazing. Fernando Torres always used to be like that. Um, but um, 
he he notably against Forest, he was getting frustrated about everything because everything was going against them. Against Blackburn, even when sort of there were difficult moments, he was staying upright. He was keeping his head. He was staying on his task. I thought he was. I thought that was as good a centre forward performance as we've seen from a Huddersfield Town player for some years, to be honest. Yeah, um, he's got. To, we'll put the caveat in because there'll be some people rolling their eyes. He's got to do it consistently. Yeah, we completely understand that. But you've got to. You, you've got to reward him for what the shift he managed to put in, and I, like I don't, I just, I just don't think it's a, I don't think it's a massive riddle or a puzzle as to why. I think he just, I think he just felt better, similarly to the Reading game, because he looked up and there were players near him. Um, like I put in the conclusions, and I, like I was sorely tempted to pull one or two of the heat maps out, but then I realised it's just very boring you, for people who aren't me or you. You, you would but, have had to have pulled five of them is the thing not just one yes yeah but if you look back at individual players heat maps over the last sort of two three four games there's nobody anywhere near Danny Ward like literally anywhere near him and then lo and behold you pull the heat maps for Blackburn and you've got Lewis O'Brien who's popping up in that 10 area you've got both wide players who are coming inside an awful lot and helping him support and it just makes a huge difference when you're a striker to be able to win the ball and lay it off and turn and try and do something. Because what was happening before was <laughs> the ball's coming up to him and basically he's got to take on a two or three man central defence himself to make anything happen. And that is after winning the ball. And like he's had a lot of stick this year. Me and you can't defend him on some levels mm-hmm. because he's not played very well but we have defended him on other levels that a lot of this hasn't been his fault and I think that's the model town have to stick to now they have to say right okay if we're going to play Danny Ward we can't just leave him isolated up top on his own you can do that with Fraser Campbell because Fraser Campbell just loves to work and chase and press and harry that's what he's all about when you're playing Fraser Campbell you're putting him in because you want to play a high press and you want to get chances on the but if you're playing if you're expecting weirdly they didn't have more of the ball against Blackburn Mm -hmm. it was pretty 50-50 I think they had slightly less of the ball against Blackburn even though Blackburn have less possession than anyone in the league generally speaking but if you are trying to play a bit more direct and try and create more chances then yeah it's Ward you want yeah and the thing was he knew from the first few minutes like Town lined up in a 3-4-3 and me and you both looked at each other and thought, okay, what's what's going to be different here? What was different and what was evident right from the off is that A, they were going more direct and that doesn't mean crazy gang style Wimbledon football, pumping balls long over the top. It literally just meant they were trying to get the ball forward quicker. So they, was, they were passing through the lines quicker. And Danny Ward could see that, you know, you you could see early on that he was he was up for it because there was a chance of making something happen, and and fair enough he did. I, I talked to Jordan Rhodes after the final whistle, and he was really impressed with the second goal because it's not it's not this sort of most difficult of headers to put it in from there, but it's about having the instinct to drop off and be in the exact right position for that ball yeah. coming back over. And then obviously you've got the keeper steaming out, and he's completely focused on the ball and and it's one of those goals that 
that looks very simple, but there's a there's a lot of moving parts to it. So yeah, you know, he's got to repeat it. He's got to be consistent. But I put it again. I put it in the conclusions. I I titled it Danny Ward full stop, and that the full stop was deliberate because you could not have asked for anything more from him from that game. So he's got a platform now. We've got a sort of definitive performance to point to and say that's what you need to be doing five games out of eight. Let's see where we go from here. Did you see the stat as well? I ask knowing that you have the, the championship players who have who have had... Chicken mused to himself. <laughs> championship players that have had at least 10 shots. He's got the best conversion rate of any of them. You know, he's, he's scored three goals from 12 shots this season. Um, which, again, <laughs> the fact he's only had 12 shots from how many starts is that? Uh, nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, eight in the league, I should say sort of tells you everything the other thing i hadn't noticed until just now this is the first time this season he's played 90 minutes uh he's generally mm. been t- he's been taken off at half time a couple of times and he's been taken off after the hour five times this is the first time he's actually played the full 90 minutes and and he gets those those you know um gets the late goal um so yeah Kudos to him, and you know we're we're patting ourselves on the back a lot, having sort of talked about how you can't really have a go at Danny Ward too much because they've just not created chances for them. But it's true, and mm. you know you can you can say, well, you know, so what? He's the most clinical. He's still only scored three goals. It's like, yeah, but come on, like he's you've got a striker who's doing well. I've seen some people being very sort of cynical and snarky about that yeah. stat, and it's like, but he's your player. He's doing well. Just enjoy yeah. that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I think I don't know. I, I think some people almost forget that if you've got a twenty-goal-a-season striker, and that's what everyone talks about. Oh, you need a twenty-goal-a-season striker. That's and that's literally twenty-six leagues games. He's not going to score in. Yeah. So your supposedly sort of lethal, clinical twenty-goal-a-season striker is also not going to score in half the games. Probably more because there'll be games where they get two or three. So if Danny Ward can get himself to sort of 15 this season, that would be a, an improvement, a vast improvement. They're goals that Town haven't had before from a from a striker. So I just I just think it it all serves to show that there are two issues really. One was Danny Ward getting frustrated, and yes, he wasn't playing his best football, and particularly in those games where he was pulled at half time, we knew he was struggling. And I, but also the flip side of that is it shows you have to help him. <laughs> you've you've mm. got to, a you've got to give him chances. The reason he's only had twelve shots or whatever it is is because they don't create chances. And b it is as simple as just getting players near to him so he can play off them and he can he can work with them. It would be interesting to see how this season like there's a, there's a sliding doors moment, isn't there, with Pippa's injury? Yeah, because it would be really interesting to see how this season would have started if you had. Pippa Pippa drifting into that false 10 role and getting a bit closer to him. Who knows? The other sliding doors moment is the COVID outbreak before the Derby game, which through Josh Ruffles and Harry Toffolo being unavailable meant Sorba Thomas came in at left wing back and he's mm. been not just pro- not just Towns player of the season, but probably the championships player of the season so far this campaign. He's been, you know, sensationally had he had quieter games against Forest and, and against Swansea where he's played on the left left wing, left of the front three. Um and in Josh Gromer's role and didn't have a great game to be perfectly honest but back at wing back against Blackburn and to be fair Dave you and I when that team sheet came out we both said Blackburn are so quick and direct 
playing Sorba Thomas at wing back is a hell of a risk. Um, you know, he, he, you could you could do a job on him defensively. And to be fair to him, before we even talk about the attack, I thought defensively he put in a hell of an effort. You know, there are a couple of moves. He wasn't perfect. You know, there were moves where, where he maybe got exposed and Matty Pearson was, ended up with too much to do. Um, but there were also moves where you would have expected Blackburn to be in and then all of a sudden Sorba Thomas pops up out of nowhere and makes an interception. But those those two assists, I mean, we talk about the, the number of assists and Ben McAleer, who, who runs Who Scored, uh, message just saying Sorba Thomas is all right, isn't he? Um, so he's obviously taken note, but it's not just the sheer number of assists; it's the quality of these assists that he's getting, and the ver- the the variety of them as well. You know, he's he's set up; he's had seven assists this season, and they've been for six different players. And I thought both of them uh, against Blackburn. The first one, obviously, getting the ball out on the right. Good work by Josh Caroma, worth saying, to hold on to the ball because he would have been forgiven for giving up on it after he got a push, but he kept going, got the loose ball, and they worked it across to, to Sorba Thomas. Cuts inside, great running, great dribbling to, to get into the box before pulling it back, which you and I sat here a couple of weeks ago saying, why are they not doing that anymore? Why are they not finding men on the edge of the box anymore? But the cross as well for, for the second goal was just superb um yeah and that on the day of his wales call up as well <laughs> perfect day for him really yeah i i saw a little bit of criticism of him actually after the swansea game few people saying you know i'm flashing the pan and all that sort of thing and i think i think there are a few things with sorber thomas you, you it's very easy to forget he played twice for boreham wood in january steve <laughs> yeah like he's now he's now in the town first team he's the only player to have started every game uh he's played more minutes than anyone else his key passes are still running at 3.3 on average which is i think lewis is the only one anywhere near to him who's just a shade over one now he's second in the league on crosses um he's leading the champ outright on assists now this is a phenomenal meteoric rise and i think he is going to have games where he struggles a bit because because he's still learning and he's going to be moved about a bit because he won't always be a wing back he's going to have to learn to play on a front three uh for definite and he's you can tell he's not quite as comfortable because he's used to being more of a out and out winger more yeah. of an out and out wide player there's nothing wrong with that you've just got to sort of get the balance of your front three right but he's he's a young footballer who's still like so early in his professional career it's untrue and yeah like there's going to be times when he's body fails him this season and he's just going to be really tired because he's never played at this level or trained like this before but you just have to really enjoy these games when they come and he's he's at the moment he's a very very special player nobody knows what the future holds but he could be uh, an even more special player and yeah I thought he did really there were twice he broke really really quickly to stop Blackburn counter-attacks and there was he doubled up really well with Pearson a couple of times mm-hmm. to, to sniff out danger. These are all facets to his game. You are literally watching him add before your very eyes. So I think you just have to enjoy the development. And yeah, you know, there will be games that pass him by. But 
we've just had, I mean, what, we've had arguably four man of the match performances out of him yeah. already this season yeah. was it four we've got four yeah Derby Everton Reading and, and Blackburn and he will, he will have been not far off and a couple of others as well yeah absolutely I mean you can like say he's leading the fans average for 6.54 with Lee Nichols and I completely understand that because obviously he's the most eye-catching player and Lee Nichols has made a huge difference to the to the defense so I get that but yeah he's just he's just so he's just super talented and he's just a massive bag of potential at the moment and you just hope he can he can go on and fulfill it and there are there are obvious areas that he needs to needs to work on but why on earth would you talk about them instead of enjoying (laughs) (laughs) enjoying all the good stuff he's doing you know and it all adds up you know I think this was town's best attacking performance of the season uh and that the numbers sort of bear that out it's one of their best attacking performances since since Corbran came in and you know it's also sort of their second worst defensive performance of the season but I they need to be careful with it but I think we've seen enough improvement in the defense and also you know one of the big chances they got obviously was the penalty from a silly tackle from a player who is not going to be starting most weeks if if you know one Levi Colwell's back fit hopefully at the weekend um and it was just a one of those games I think just both teams just going for it um I think for me also it's worth saying Steve that like the quality of Blackburn's attacking options is I mean Blackburn's problem is they can't get consistency but you know Dolan, Pavida, Brereton, Gallagher, Rothwell, Buckley I, I would confidently argue they would probably all walk into town squad and I'd say at least five of the six probably get in the first team so you are going to concede goals to good teams yeah. aren't you yeah and I think that that's the issue is that like you know the the last couple of performances one goal would have been enough um mm. so for them to put in you know I don't mind if I actually don't really mind even if the instruction was explicitly look just even if it means you you're not defending as well just go and you know do more in attack I'm sure that wasn't the instruction Carlos always talks about balance etc but you know for this game I think that was that would have been what they needed and when you've seen that sort of it is finding that balance and it is I don't think there's any particular reason why you can't marry up the defensive improvement they've had earlier in the season uh, and pretty much across the board to be honest apart from the, the Fulham game um, and marry that up with the kind of the, you know what they were doing in attack because I didn't feel like the Blackburn goals came off them turning the dial too far in the attacking direction I think it was just you know the first goal was was Rothwell just going on a run and, and you know yeah what a player he is yeah I love him I know you're Absolutely a big fan I love him yeah I, I think they, they should have done better with that run through but you know one of those things it was a hell of a run uh, everybody and, was scared of the penalty weren't they that's the yeah. thing and the second and on reflection somebody has to commit don't they yeah and on the second one it was you know silly foul we discussed it so um, yeah, just in attack, just so much better. And I think, as you say, they almost can use this as a blueprint now. And, and it's almost, you would hope that against Reading, it was like, well, they just played a, you could say they just played a rubbish team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but against Blackburn, they actually played, you know, I didn't think Blackburn were, were bad defensively or not terrible, at no. least. They're, they're a proper team, Blackburn. They they struggle for consistency, particularly away from home, but they are a proper side. They can, Town saw last season, yeah. When they turn it on, they can pull sides apart. They've done it a couple of times this season already. So 
for them to put in that attacking performance, you just hope that that has, you know, turned on a light in a few players' heads, and they can go, ah, if we get it forward and cross the ball more often, we can we can create chances. If we look to get the ball forward, if we play ten yards further forward, all of these little things, you would, and it's not going to be appropriate for every game, but you would hope that that this game will be instructive for them, and and might be the moment that that finally the light goes on in those players' heads, and and we see more of this in future. Yeah. I just, I just felt everybody was a bit more willing to take a risk. It almost felt like the instruction had come from the dressing room to just go for it. And town looked so much better for it. They really, really did. And it wasn't like we've talked about lots of individual performances, but I don't think it really was down to any one individual performance. It was just down to sort of a real like collective push to try and get something out of it. I mean, when was the last time a team scored two goals against town and town won? Uh, Middlesbrough last year, I think. Off, well, off the top of my head, they they beat Middlesbrough three two. Um, in fact, I've got I've got the spreadsheet in front of me. Give me a second. Of course you have. Right. Because oh. I would I would wager it's probably about once a season on average. Yeah, you'd be right. So they beat Middlesbrough three two last November. Uh, they drew against Reading in May two all. And before that, the previous time was uh, they beat Preston three two in April twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah. So. That tells you all you need to know, and you sort of think that, like, if Town played like that every week, there are going to be games where it completely comes unstuck, to be frank. There are going to be Fulham-level results, mm. but there are also going to be more games like Tuesday night where Town score threes and fours, and, you know, I know I keep banging on about it in various pieces, and I've said it on here, but I just... I think the limits this season are sort of don't expect too much. It's fine to dream a bit, but just hope to have a bit of fun. And that's where I am with town this season. I think the way they're tracking at the moment, they, w- they would finish with 73 points, which is would have been good enough for the playoffs last year. I don't think they're going to get in the playoffs. I really don't. But what, what we can say is after 10 games, you can start drawing one or two conclusions and you can think, well, OK, they shouldn't be worrying about relegation. So... Yeah, there's going to be Forest 2-0 at home and there's going to be Swansea 1-0 away. But if we get another few 4-0s against Reading and a 3-2 against Blackburn here and there, that's absolutely fine this season, isn't it? Yeah, I think Carlos in his presser on Monday talked about two moments um, which I went back and watched to see what he was, was talking about where he he highlighted the goal they, the last goal they scored against Millwall last season and he highlighted uh, the goal they conceded against Swansea and he made the point that they're quite similar sort of attacking moves it's it's town getting a chance to winning the ball and then getting a chance or at least breaking the press by either getting past a man you know winning a 50-50 ball or making an interception and then going towards the opposition goal and against Millwall it results in a town goal and against Swansea it results in a Swansea goal <laughs> and the point he was making was that is that is the fine margin with this style and he was being up front and saying look this is we play a stuff because they try and invite players onto them you know people have noticed that they always delay the pass until the last second um, you know even even the centre backs will do it they'll hold onto the ball until until you know someone is, is close enough to sort of you know give them a tap on the shoulder before they play it and that is a risky thing to do and mm. i think there's some games where that's going to come off and and they look great and some games where it doesn't come off and they look stupid and 
it can it i think that is why you get a lot of town winning or losing and not a lot of town drawing games um but i mean you mentioned scoring three or four there i've just had a quick look season before last they scored three or four three times last season they scored three or four uh four times 10 games into this season they've already done it three times Mm. so that does tell us that they can score goals on their day it's just getting to the point now where their day comes more often yeah i think that i think carlos corbran is your manager you are always going to have uh bad spells in the season and you're always going to have good spells in the season because it's just we've talked about it before he sort of tends to deal in the extremes rather than the consistent but i think this season it's fine now to not expect to be checking other people's results in march Mm -hmm. i think that's that's where town need to be i think that's the level of of expectation or demand and yeah i just you know a game like tuesday night a game like the everton league cup game which we came away and said how much we enjoyed it the reading game the second half against blackpool the first half wasn't great admittedly you know they they're they're the days that this club hasn't been able to consistently produce for three years three years or more and if we can just get to to the point where town can lose a game but you still have every confidence that they can win the next one because they already three times this season they've bounced back from a loss with a win Mm -hmm. and that's important because last season they just kept getting themselves into these horrible grooves these horrible mindsets and these horrible runs that's that's fine that's fine you know I know we feel slightly it's not defeatist to say you know mid-table would be fine when they're currently sat in seventh but it's a long season and this is a crazy league which will help town a little bit yeah just hope for more games like Tuesday night and leave it at that I think well after after Luton uh, won 5-0 I've had a look at sort of how teams have done after before and after big defeats and half the division this year 13 teams have had games where they've lost by three goals or more um, so you know it's it is it is that division this year it's you know the championship is is very much back and it's it's Bournemouth Fulham West Brom Sheffield United I'd argue although some wouldn't and 20 other teams isn't it that's the thing and those 20 other teams are gonna consistently take points off each other I mean you look at how well Derby are doing yeah <laughs> when they you... were they, they've come from further back than anybody else and you, I mean you can't knock what they're doing can you they'd that, be, that they'd point be on the opening day that point on the opening day on reflection now actually looks a, a very good point doesn't it yeah perfectly acceptable and yeah I, I, I feel like at the moment, the after the to be honest, going into the Blackburn game, I really wasn't hopeful about Town's chances at all, and I think maybe me as much as some of the fans have sort of got into the habit of thinking. I think last season has got into our heads a bit, and you, we're constantly feeling like, all right, they're seventh now, but if they lose one, they could just as easily go and lose ten. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think I think last season has still sort of kept that hangover there, where it's like, well, have they really solved those issues? you know are the games where like Blackburn are they sort of the one-offs or and I think the truth is probably just they're going to do a bit of both they are going to be up and down they're going to be up and down up and down all season and I think we need to sort of find a a place where we're sort of expecting that they might lose one and then win one and then and that neither one of those things necessarily you know again it's it's almost the player's mentality of trying not to get too high when you win and trying not to get too low when you lose it's uh, it's a tricky season to analyse as a result. Yeah, and I, the championship is 
I think you summed it up. The championship is back this year. I think last year was a very weird was a very weird year for everyone, but I think it was even more felt in the championship because the recruitment model was completely broken. You know, whether you agree with the recruitment model or not, the fact is they couldn't get that sort of raft of loan players in. There wasn't as much as sort of horse trading of players back and forth. So yeah, this year it just feels like a crazy league and I think when I say that Town shouldn't be looking over their shoulder in March, I do think like a, a big chunk of that is because I just think we've already seen there are worse teams than Town. There, there are, and that doesn't sound like massive praise for Carlos Corbran or for Huddersfield Town this year. I don't mean it like that. I mean there's just a lot of teams that you look at and they think they're going to struggle to find any level of consistency as, as has already been proved. So yeah, we'll see we'll see but it was a lot of fun it really was a lot of fun Dave thanks for joining us as ever you are at David Hartrick on Twitter I am at Stephen Chicken on Twitter uh, we are at Examiner HTAFC on Twitter and we're also on Facebook if you search for us there uh, have you got anything else to add Dave before we go not a thing lovely I've said it all I've said everything there is to say Stephen well that's a shame because we've got a two week international break coming up where we're going to have to find 30 pieces so hopefully we've not said completely everything uh we'll probably be we'll do a podcast at some point during the international break not sure whether will that be next week or second week we'll see play it by we, might, we could we could do a q and a yeah i mean yeah. this is the extent of our planning at the moment we're actually doing it live on air but we, we might possibly do a q and a or something like that i think yeah. it might be a pertinent time to do it maybe maybe we'll see how the looting game goes if it's a done nil nil yeah. maybe we'll uh, we'll give it a few extra days before we do the next episode great stuff we'll see you next time goodbye see you there.